Welcome everyone to this month's Tamil Innovator Spotlight with Sashi Chandran from T-Drops. So um, before I get into it, uh, a quick intro on what this is about. So welcome everyone from IG Live to Facebook Live to people who have tuned in through Zoom. Our Tamil Innovator Spotlight is an online series which puts the spotlight on individuals from the globe in the Tamil community who are building great products, services, and initiatives. And our latest event is brought to you in partnership with mystartupdojo.com, Tamil Culture, and Tamil Women Rising. So my name is Anjali Narendran. I'm excited to be your host this evening. I'm program director at startup, mystartupdojo.com. I'm host of the 2020 show, a two times robotics world champion, having beat over 20,000 international teams. And I actually founded my first venture when I was just 15 years old. And now I'm committed to spreading the spirit of entrepreneurship and innovation with other young people through Startup Dojo. So from Steve Jobs to Ben Franklin, the world was built by entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurial skills are leadership skills. And with the right support and guidance, any young person can become an entrepreneur and innovator. So at Startup Dojo, we give ambitious students the tools and the support that they need to become entrepreneurs and leaders. Uh, so before we jump in, if you are an ambitious student and you're in, or you know an ambitious student, feel free to check us out at mystartupdojo.com slash apply. And by the way, if you like free things, you're going to want to stick around till the end because we have some awesome surprises lined up for you. Now that we've gotten the intro out of the way, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Sashi Chandran as our featured guest this evening. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And what an intro of yourself. It's pretty incredible. Very Thank amazing. you. Thank Very you inspired so by you. Thank you. Likewise. Um, of course, now I have, I, I, I can't wait to get into your intro because your intro is, is, is pretty crazy. So uh, we're thrilled to welcome you. Uh, you are, Sashi is the CEO of Tea Drops. She was born to a Chinese mom and a Tamil dad uh, who's actually born on a tea estate. Sashi got to witness firsthand how the ritual of tea brought people and communities together. And now she's the founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar company that creates, you guessed it, tea, organic bagless tea. So tea drops can be found in over 1500 retail stores nationwide, as well as online and on the home shopping network. They've been featured on Good Morning America, Oprah Magazine, and they're also loved by awesome female leaders like Chrissy Teigen, Tory Burch, and Michelle Obama. So talk about an, an impressive intro. That's an impressive intro. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, so um, let's jump right in. So a lot of people in our audience um, are maybe considering starting their journey or maybe just at the very beginning. So for people, who, especially young people, it's easy to look at, you know, that, that crazy list of accomplishments and feel a little bit intimidating, a, a little bit intimidated. So I think it would be fascinating to hear more about what got you started. Have you always been very innovative and entrepreneurial? What was your childhood like? Yeah, well, I, th I think I always um, was interested in entrepreneurship, even though I didn't really know what it meant when I was younger. But um, I actually, you know, feel so you, you, you kind of said in my intro, my parents, both are immigrants to the US, my mom's Chinese, my dad's from Sri Lanka. Um, and I grew up um, 
obviously with tea being the center in my in my um, childhood where we would always have tea at, at the dinner table at every meal. Um, so that was a big influence in my life. But I think the bigger influence um, with my parents was just seeing that they always had their own, I guess, entrepreneurial um, interests. Like they had these side hustles. So my dad, even though he had a, he had a, a full-time job, he would dabble in real estate and um, manage real estate. And so I got to go with him and my mom um, whenever, you know, they would, they would have to show the property or fix the property. So I was very much exposed to um, that as, as a form of a business, as real estate as a form of a business. And then my mom, even though she, she took care of us full-time on the weekend, she had um, a crystal store. And so she would be like that sold um, it Italian vases and um, Slovakian crystal. And so I would go with her on the weekends and spend time with her selling at this swap meet. And so I kind of saw firsthand what enterprising and, and entrepreneurship at a very, very basic level looked like. And so I think I just always liked the idea of building something and like selling a skill set or selling a product in exchange for money. And it was just something very exciting to me. So, um, you know, during my elementary school years, I remember having a, like a side jewelry business with my best friend. We would go to this place called Bead World get all of these different various um, Swarovski crystal beads, make bracelets and sell them at school for like five or $7 a pop. Um, and that was really thrilling to me. So I always feel like I had these side businesses in elementary school and high school, um, but I never really took that as, as a sign that I myself should be an entrepreneur. Um, so I would have side businesses. And then when I was working my corporate job, you know, that's kind of when I had a lot of different ideas, even before tea drops um, none that I really stuck with as much as, as, as when I came, um, and had the idea for tea drops, I just kind of, that's like a true idea that I really stuck with to the end. And so to answer your question, always had entrepreneurial inclinations, but didn't really know that meant I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. So you mentioned you had some ideas kind of going through this before tea drops, did, were any of them, you know, did, did any of them turn into at least interesting stories? You no, know, yes, definitely. And I actually think this is still a great idea for anyone who wants to take this one. <laughs> um, you know, I will, I, I, I feel free. So I had this idea and it was inspired by um, one of my brother's friends of, of um, basically making um, freshly baked cookies on the spot. So like, if you think of Cold Stones going there and and like having your base, um, in this case, like, or so Colson's case, your ice cream base, and then having mix-ins, and that's like, that creation is made on the spot. Imagine if you could do that with freshly baked, baked cookies. So you kind of choose your cookie dough and you choose your mix-ins like M&Ms or, or walnuts or whatever, and that mix, that's mixed in. And then while you wait, for in five minutes, your, your cookie is freshly baked. So I had this whole idea and I actually tested it out a different artisan shows where I would bring like my brother was so sweet and bought me this this convection oven um and I that that was like a um yeah just like a basically a super fast convection oven so I would test this out I would have cookie dough a couple different kinds like a gluten-free one a regular cookie dough version I would do the mix-ins and I would bake on the spot and actually this actually led to tea drops kind of being more of a forefront of an idea because I was working 
on tea drops on the side, but really my main idea was this cookie, like oh. cookie on the spot business. Um, and one day my friend invited me to, to like, she was doing a, another artisan show in San Jose and, um, and I was going to set up my cookie booth, but I went there and I re and I saw the weather forecast. It was going to be 97 degrees that day. It was like dead of summer. And I was like, no one's going to want freshly baked cookies on such an intensely hot day. So, um, you know, behind the scenes, I was making these tea drops. So I was like, well, maybe I should bring the tea drops. I'll bring some iced tea also to serve while people wait for their cookies to bake, presumably. Um, and let's see if these tea drops sell. So I made a little sign for it. And it was funny because that day I sold some cookies, which was just like miraculous that people wanted them. But I was so amazed that people um, understood what tea drops were just, you know, I didn't even have packaging for it. I think I had like Ziploc bags to put them in. Um, wow. People understood what I was making. And that day I sold out of I think the 60 or 65 tea drops that I had pre-made. So I think that's when I knew that that day in July that I was onto something with tea drops. Yeah, so it was the day, so that was the day, I guess, that it switched from being your side hustle to your main hustle. Well, it kind of was, I mean, it's, it's not like I fully gave up the, well, at that day, I definitely fully gave up the, <laughs> the cookies idea only because I was like, I'm lugging this convection oven around then you need all these mix-ins. It's like melting in this hot sun. I was like, this is so much work. Um, little did I know how much work I was in for by formally starting tea drops, but I'm like, oh, like here's this side idea I had and I'm selling way more of that and it's e easier to make and transport. Um, so I think that day was definitely validating that like, oh, you're onto something, you know? Yeah, so um, after that, so, that's very interesting. So have, have a lot of your ideas been kind of in the culinary space? Is that something where, something where you've always found inspiration or, or is that just happenstance? That's very funny. No, I, I didn't even piece that together until now. I, I think I just like food. Yeah. I, like, I like sweets. So um, it just felt natural for me to kind of like, oh, it's a passion of mine. Let me see if I can make, you know, business out of it. So it, it just kind of is totally by accident that those two ideas happen to be culinary, but I've always been, I've always liked arts and crafts. So before that idea, the, the, the cookie idea, I also made um, tea infused soap bars and I was like selling those at, you know, nothing, nothing very um, formal, but at artisan shows, or if I had friends participating in artisan shows, I'd be like, Hey, can you like sell these on the side? Yeah. And I'll just keep a portion of, you know, what you make. So I've always just been, like crafty in that way, but more from a passion standpoint, not because I thought they would turn into businesses. Yeah, and I guess you just have a passion for culinary and arts. And I guess so, yeah. like I didn't even piece that together, but you, you tapped into something, it's true. That's really cool. Yeah. And and before founding Tea Drops, I forgot to mention this earlier, you actually worked in Silicon Valley leading digital marketing and market research campaigns for Fortune 100 brands. So I think it's safe to say that you had a very, very impressive resume even before going into Tea Drops. So going coming from this, what gave you the con confidence to step out of you know your safe career, um, your safe nine to five and start your own venture? Like, what, what can you tell me about what it was like to go full time with Tea Drops? Yeah, well, I think it was it was not so much like um, like a like a moment in time when I knew, but it was more just like a breaking point. You know, I was working full time. I was at, at eBay at the time, and um, I also saw like the path I was on. You know, and and really like a clear um, 
I had a clear understanding of my trajectory of where my career would go there. And even though it was really fulfilling and I learned so much about, you know, various business departments and working in a large corporate environment, I just saw that and it just didn't feel that exciting to me, you know, whereas kind of being resourceful and really crafty and doing these side projects just brought me a lot of joy. And so for me, I, I thought, you know, I was, I was doing tea drops on the side and that's how I initially started, started, you know, gaining more and more, more and more momentum. I was selling in artisan shows. We started picking up some retail accounts. They started selling it online. And I think there came this point where I was just working a ton of hours, you know, at my corporate job and working all my nights and my weekends on this side hustle. And I just knew at some point I had to make a decision. And I felt that I was young enough, um, clearly not as young as you, but young enough where I'm like, I could, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, um, I still could go back to a great career. At that time, I was deciding if I wanted to do my MBA or not. So I thought like, you know, instead of, instead of investing the money and doing a graduate degree, maybe I could take that and use it as savings into trying out this business. Um, so I always felt like it wouldn't be for nothing. You know, I would, I would take away some great lessons if, by, by pursuing more of an entrepreneurial path. So it wasn't so much as like a moment in time when I'm like, I'm, I'm quitting my, my corporate career and I'm doing this. It was just more that I can't sustain doing two things at once. And I feel like my passion is very much here. Even if it doesn't work out, I'll learn some great skills and I can always go back to, you know, this, this corporate world if, if it's meant to be, so. That's kind of that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah, you mentioned that you were just passionate about tea drops. So, is there anything in specific that really makes you passionate about uh, about pursuing it? Was there something like were there well, some key things? Yeah. So I did a test run. I forgot to mention like, and I even forgot about this time that. So every every five years at eBay, you get what's called a sabbatical, where you yeah. can take time. You can take at least a month, and you can add on your, any unused vacation to just do whatever you want to do. And um, I had approached my manager just saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about leaving because I really want to pursue this idea. And I remember him saying, well, why don't you take your sabbatical earlier? You know, I'll authorize it and then you can add on any amount of time um, vacation and use that to just like test it out and see if you even like doing this full time. And so that's what I did. I took I took like my vacation. I took that month. I, so I took about two I think it was like over two months and I just started working on the idea and full-time living and breathing it. And I think that's when I knew, like I loved working on it. It was the most exhilarating thing. I think for me and my personality, I like working on multiple different aspects of a project or business. Um, I find it exciting. So for me, it's not, um, you know, I think for a lot of people it can be stressful, but for me, I just find more excitement around it. Um, I also love that it was kind of um, catering to more of my creative side, you know, like I could envision something like packaging or design something and like bring it to life in a short period of time, you know, from start to finish. And I just felt like once you kind of have a taste of that, it's really hard to go back to something that's a lot more predictable, even though it is a lot of work. Um, it's, it's a different type of exhilaration that it's hard to, de to describe. I'm sure you feel it too, um, where you just, there's like no turning back basically. Right. Just the process. This is yeah. really 
satisfying. And I also really believed in the product, you know, I was making that it was really, um, you know, if you look at the tea space, there just hasn't been any innovation in that category since the early 1900s, since the, the introduction of the tea bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really saw an opportunity to, um, to, to really disrupt it, even as much as I hate that word, it's like, that's, that's really what, what I wanted to do. Um, and at the same time, I saw that there was just this open space, you know, all the tea brands that I would purchase from, you know, I would buy the tea, I loved drinking it, but I really didn't feel this connection or brand allegiance to any one company. And so I felt like there was this opportunity to build a brand that stood for community that was really transparent about the manufacturing process and ingredient profile. And so that to me just seemed like I, I, I really saw there was a need in this space and that I, I potentially had an idea to really address it um, and build something there was very exciting. Yeah. So. T-Drops has hit a lot of really interesting milestones over the years. So I'd be interested to hear, how do you define success for T-Drops? It's a very good question. I think, I think it's evolved over time. You know, for me, I don't think about um, as much as there's pressure to, or sometimes, you know, people ask, like, well, what is your end goal with it? Do you want to sell it one day? Um, I don't think in terms of that. I really do think of it in terms of like the the community aspect of what we're building. You know that um, our mission statement, if you will, is is creating magical tea moments that connect you to what's important, whether that's connection to yourself, connection to others, connection to your community. And I really see ourselves being able to fulfill that mission through through um, you know the the team itself that I'm building through how we relate to our customers, um, the partnership, nonprofit partnership we have with Thirst Project where we build water wells all over the world. So now T-Drops has kind of taken an identity that's like beyond my control really. And I think it's it's a cool thing to watch this grow, but seeing how it's now impacting um, people all around the world, maybe not in, in, in um, life altering ways, right? But I think that you know, the whole idea was is to provide this point of connection and community for people. And I see that happening and that's very exciting to me. And I just wanted to see that grow, um, whether that's domestically, internationally, I think that there's, there's so much opportunity for us to continue on that mission. Right, so is that mission something that you've always had in mind or was it, did you have different kind of metrics that you were looking at earlier on? No, I've always wanted community to kind of be at the forefront yeah. of what we were building that, you know, for me, and especially coming from an Asian culture in Sri Lanka and in what I witnessed in India and, and China is that tea is really something that brings people together. You know, you have it as more of like a, it's like a part of your social activity. You know, you're talking over a cup of chai, you're bonding with people. Um, and I love that as a ritual and practice. And I wanted to kind of bring that more to the US forefront. You know, we're like, we're very much more individual, individualistic in the US, but I felt that tea could really be something that brings people together. Um, and so that aspect of, of the brand, the community aspect is always something I wanted. I think a lot of people didn't know what I was talking about in the beginning when they're like, what do you mean build community through tea? But now that we, that, that we now have like a critical mass of of customers, you know, now we have over 100,000 100, customers just on our website alone. So, and also a lot of these customers have joined 
different programs we offer, like our Facebook community group, our brand ambassador program, I'm really seeing this come to life. And so I think, I think we're, we're definitely accomplishing that mission, but it's always been there from the start. Right. That's awesome. Um, so I'd like to take a quick pause just to send a quick shout out to our audience. Um, I forgot to mention this earlier, but again, if you do have any questions that you'd like to ask Sashi, feel free to send them in via the chat and uh, we will get to them at the end. So I'll let them kind of accumulate and we'll get to them at the end. Uh, now, sorry, we're back to, back to some other questions. Okay. So, um, so much of entrepreneurship, you know, is just learning from experience. So let's talk about some interesting experiences, stories, anecdotes that might've changed your outlook or maybe taught you something. So to start off, um, could you give me an example of maybe something you did that you didn't think would, you know, you didn't think too much of it. It's just something that you tried, but ended up really exceeding your expectations. Well, I think um, when you're first starting, like, you know, I'm in the consumer packaged goods space and food specifically, I think, you know, we always think of creating a product and getting into a big chain like Whole Foods or Nordstrom or a big banner is the dream, you know, and once you do that, that's success. And, um, you know, we ended up getting into stores like Nordstrom and um, not Whole Foods right away, but Anthropology and a lot of these stores. And, and even though it was cool to have that as, as like a point of validation, we really were making a lot more money at these small artisan shows. And so you think about um, these local like trade shows happening, holiday gift shows, um, smaller ones that you wouldn't really pay much attention to. But once I started on the circuit, and frankly, it was a point as a way for me to, to, to connect directly with customers and get their feedback, especially early on in the day, you know, what they thought of the product, what they thought needed to be tweaked, how they liked our packaging. So for me, it was just this market, market research um, that I was, that I had access to, but I think I underestimated the power of really a grassroots approach to growing a brand. I always thought that, oh, you know, making it into Whole Foods, making it into a big retailer was going to make us successful. And I pursued that more so in the, in the beginning. But as I started attending more of these more, um, you know, unique trade shows and artisan shows and, and talking to customers and selling product there, that not only brought me closer to the customer, but it actually was a huge revenue driver for us in the beginning. So, um, so I think the mistake for me was thinking that I had to be in these large name retailers right away um, without really having a good grasp of the product that we were creating, the brand, the relationship with the customer, not prior, prioritizing that over all else. So did that end up hindering you or is that kind of just like a little bit nudged and you realized, okay, maybe we need to redirect a bit? Well, it actually was a huge, um, you know, failure of launching in grocery. So, you know, I bootstrap my business. I use my life savings and I, I pulled out a home equity line of credit on my house at the time that I just purchased. Um, so this is all I had was starting this business. And I spent a lot of it in trying to get into these big name grocery stores, you know, getting into Publix on the East Coast, getting into Wegmans, which is a big retailer on the East Coast too. Um, but without a true plan, and this is the other kind of other thing I learned, you know, you can have a truly innovative product. 
It can be different than anything on the market. Um, you know, it can have all of these different benefits and um, facets to it. It could be essentially the hope diamond of products, and yet you still need the skill set and the ability to market and sell it. And so, just me starting this, you know, on my own, I had a few interns at the time. I really didn't have um, boots on the ground in these retail stores to help, you know, sell it, promote it, sample it, and you you soon realize that it's it's you can't just drop something on a shelf you know hundreds of people are going in or thousands of people are going into the grocery store going walking down the aisle they're they're overwhelmed with all of these decisions right on the shelf how are you supposed to stand out and so i think the big learning there was that we we it's hard for a smaller brand to compete when you have you know you're overwhelmed with that many options as a consumer we need to think differently about how we were going to build that relationship with the customer and it wasn't going to be on the grocery shelf but it may be online you know where we can cultivate that one-on-one -on -one relationship with the customer and so that that's what shifted my strategy on being a direct-to-consumer brand first um, and then exploring more of a retail strategy later interesting so did you end up pulling out i'm not familiar with the process so do you need to like pay to be in on, on shelves or what does that look like yeah okay, okay, okay. i yeah. you know that how do you know that I, I i feel like i should have known that but i didn't no that's really good actually i didn't know that that like you there's like a pay to play element of being yeah. in grocery stores which was a huge shock to me because i'm like that's um you know i don't i don't think that's fair right because then what happens and con consumers are shopping in grocery stores um but what they don't realize is that those are not what's you know what they see on their shelves is not really um the total um kind of landscape of what's available right. you know that that most of the brands you see in your in your grocery store they pay to to, to be on shelf um, so it's really a disservice to the end consumer, you know, but, um, but yeah, that is the model for a lot of traditional grocery stores is they want you to pay, it's called slotting fees to be on shelf. And then not only that, but you need a distributor because grocery stores just aren't going to buy it direct from you. They want you, they want to purchase through a distributor where they can get a whole selection of products delivered all at once to their store. So you have to pay a distributor fee. Mm. And then you have to also pay a broker fee for, for salespeople who sell into grocery stores if you don't have that direct relationship with them. Yikes. There's so many middlemen involved that eats away at your margin at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So did you and, end up pulling out from the from the grocery store model yeah, and just so, going so I, directly to I just I just yeah. stopped. Yeah, I stopped yeah. I stopped selling grocery stores because I just felt like that wasn't that wasn't the way we were gonna truly build the type of brand that I wanted and also you know, we were just paying all this money yeah. with, with no return. Yeah. So it, I guess there's the, the, there's the value on the brand side, but then you also mentioned that while you're at the trade shows, you got a chance to do your market research, figure out packaging and everything else. So is that something that you also developed when you're like, after you made that transition, or is that something that you were also focusing on? Well, I actually come from a market research background. So, yeah. um, you know, I was marketing at eBay, but before that I was in their market research department. And I actually, that was like my original job out of college was um, doing these surveys of consumers, understanding their behavior, understanding, you know, their, their psychographics, their demographics, et cetera. And so I kind of applied that same, that same framework to understanding our, our customer base, you know, 
administering surveys, going to a lot of trade shows, getting feedback, um, and using that feedback to really iterate on the customer experience. So um, it's always kind of been, been an important aspect of, of the evolution of the brand and the company. Okay, right, right. So it sounds like you've, you've encountered, of course, you've, you've encountered a lot of challenges and a lot of risks uh, building this from, you know, betting most of your savings as a very young person and just going all in. Um, how did you stay motivated and keep pushing through all the, all the doubt or the fear you might have felt? Did you have somebody that you turned to for inspiration? You know, like, was there, some, like, was there something that you would really rely on when things got tough? Um, well, you know, it's funny because I just feel like you you get enough of, um, you know, it's not it's never like full blown success, but you might get a win like a retail account or something, which is kind of the nudge you need to say, keep going, you know, keep going. You have something here, just keep going. Um, but that's not to say there weren't really like hard days where you're just like, oh, like no one, you know, you, you get a slew of no's from buyers or like when you're trying to raise money and it's, it can be really demoralizing. But I also think that, um, you know, it's, I think it's like a roomy quote, as you walk the way appears. And I really feel that's true in entrepreneurship and in anything really in life, like you just, you just keep going. Right. And then you slowly get a little bit of clarity on something and you just keep walking and then a little bit more clarity and then the help comes. So I just feel that that's been a great motivating quote. Um, and then also just, just, I, I love hearing other entrepreneur stories, whether they're large scale entrepreneurs, um, like Sarah Blakenly of, of Spanx, like I find her journey really fascinating. Um, I find just, you know, it can be just mom and pop entrepreneurs or large scale entrepreneurs. I think, I think just being surrounded by um, more founders too has been really helpful for me to know that some of the pain points our shared pain points and that you're not alone in the journey. So I find a lot of comfort in that. Um, and I also find a lot of comfort in just solitude too, because I think sometimes by hanging out with, with um, too many peers, you can kind of get in this like, you know, woe is me type of <laughs> mentality. And I think it's important to just take a step back and and also carve out your own path, you know, that it, no journey looks the same. and and having time and space to like, to, to not only understand that, but just give your time, give yourself, you know, solitude is, is also, um, I think an important part to me. Yes. And looking back on this path that I guess you've carved out for yourself, do you think that you have a favorite memory from this, you know, journey of building P drops? Yeah, I was just visiting actually um, Los Gatos, which is like where I where I started the company in my kitchen at the time, yeah. and um, I still ha have the house where I started. Um, it was like an upstairs apartment, and then downstairs is where I would package everything, and my interns would help package and ship ship it out from our garage. Um, and it was a really fun time. You know, it was like <laughs> around this time during during winter that I started really accelerating the, when I say accelerating the businesses, we were producing all this tea in my house, rushing it downstairs, packaging it. And I felt that that was some of the best, um, I won't say the best time in the whole journey, but a very defining time, you know, 
of like working really hard on something, seeing like immediate success of people buying it online, people buying it at shows, really proving out that you had an idea that was worth pursuing. Um, so I find sometimes like the beginning, the start of something to be the really, really exciting part because you're, you're, you're validating, right, an idea. Yeah, so I guess that also would have been a relatively tough part too because would you have been balancing oh, your nine to five and insane. you're shipping out of your garage? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I never want to return to those days. It was like so exhausting. You know, I, I was working 16 hour days and I, 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 you know, you just can't, you're, you're, you're breathing and living this, you know? And I remember my mom would fly up and help me and like work through the night with me. It was very uh -huh. sweet. Um, but it's like such an exhilarating time because you're also like, you're, you're seeing the start of something, right? You're like, you don't really know what it's going to turn into, but it's very exciting to kind of see, um, you know, build something out of nothing, have people who believe in your mission, who are willing to fly up and support you. Um, so I think even though I never want to return to those times because <laughs> they were really, really hard, I also am very grateful that I had that experience. Lots of, I guess, cool, like great memories from. Yeah, from great memories. Yeah, great memories. Yeah. Um, so if you could go back in time and maybe give 18-year-old Sashi any advice, having gone through this crazy journey that you've been on, what would it be? Okay. Um, well, I feel like I would have started sooner if I, I think this is why I love what you're doing because um, you know, I think there's a misnomer that you have to know all of these things about entrepreneurship. You have to have a formal education. You have to have a good network, right? You have to have mentors. You have to have all of these things that, um, yes, are important, but you also realize you cultivate that, right, as you go through the process of entrepreneurship. And I think I would have started, um, even though I was always entrepreneurial in my own way, I might have started a true business much earlier in life, um, if I if I knew that, just had more confidence and also knew that you didn't have to have all these things in place in order to to move forward, that a lot of this comes as you walk the path and you you'll figure it out. And so that's why I think it's really cool what you're doing um, with my dojo because you're providing like that infrastructure right of someone who's just starting out to have mentors to have support as you as you're navigating this journey and I wish that's something that I would have had um, you know when I was younger or at least the confidence to know that I could pursue a path and would figure it out right yeah that's awesome I mean like do you have any ideas that you think you would have gone after if you'd started when you were like a kid or do you have any like you know childhood crazy dreams <laughs> No, but I think like, you know, you kind of hit on the head. I was always had this like creative, um, it wasn't necessarily culinary, but like, I've always had these just like random ideas for yeah. perfumes, like crushing flowers in the garden and like wanting to create a perfume business. I, it's not like, I think these are all good. It's not because it's not that you, you succeed in actually seeing it into fruition. So I think when you're younger, it's just about testing a lot of ideas. They may not always pan out, but it's just, it's just that phase of like knowing you can kind of build something from scratch. Um, I think, I don't know if there would have been an idea. I mean, everything kind of culminated and, and ended up. Um, drops. Yeah. Yeah. Leading to this moment. But 
I probably would have maybe started two drops earlier, you know, if I, okay. if I, I think had more confidence or really just knew that things would work out. Um, you figure it out along the way. Yeah. Um, and we have a couple of questions that I'm just seeing come in. Um, so somebody asks, uh, it, so how someone was asking about the investments. Maybe we can take this as an opportunity to talk a bit about what the process of getting funding like, um, what was yeah. the process of like, you know, going all in, maybe a little bit on that. Yeah. So originally I, I financed it with my own, you know, bootstrapped it with my own savings. And then I came to a point where I knew that I wanted to scale the business. And I feel like there's a question also that's saying, what's your definition of scaling your business? What does next level scale look like? I mean, scaling to me meant different things at different points in time. You know, I think I thought like making a million dollars in revenue was like a big deal. And it was um, and it is a big deal. It's really cool. So I thought like scaling your business to that was like, whoa, um, you know, and now we're doing, um, you know, several million. And so I think, I think that your perspective of what's possible changes. So I think when I say scale now, um, you know, I really want tea drops to be the a household tea brand um, and of, of the millennial generation. And I think, and I think that's what I mean by scale is that it's a household name. Um, so that's the definition. And so in order to really scale, right, you, you need, you need capital you need financing, you need to hire on the right team. And so, um, I had to kind of figure out what that meant. And was I going to take a loan or did I want to raise money and I ended up going on the path of raising money, which in itself was a very daunting and hard task. Um, but we ended up raising about three and a half million for the business. Um, and that's what we've been using to scale to the next phase. And so that process, you know, there's a lot of steps involved. I could probably talk to you all night. Um, but I will say that there's a great book that helped me out. It's called Venture Deals by Brad Feld. Venture Deals um, by Brad Feld. Yeah, it's a really great book because it talks about all of the different financing instruments um, and, and, you know, provides just more clarity and, and definitions around what's a convertible note. Um, what's an equity raise and, and how to structure each deal differently. So highly recommend that book to start, um, but the process of actually pitching, you know, it's a long process, you pitch to many, um, but it's kind of like a numbers game where you just have to keep going. Right. Um, so somebody just asked what the book name was. So it was Venture Deals by Brad Felds again, in case you missed that. Um, he has a co-author too. I'm just forgetting the name. So there's two authors there, but Brad Felt, you'll, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, I just sent it in the chat. So you should be able to just grab that. Um, all right. So thank you so much for your time today and sharing your insights and your story. I, enjoy, I learned so much. I'm sure that our audience did as well. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me, Anjali. It was a true pleasure to meet you and I'm really inspired by what you're doing as well. Thank you so much. Um, now, before we close off, uh, Thank you so much for our audience for tuning in today. And like I mentioned earlier about that special perk. So as a special perk for the incredible audience members who stuck around until the end, I want you to have exclusive access to a really cool tool for students who want to become future innovators and entrepreneurs. It, this is an entrepreneurial scorecard. So uh, it should be sharing on the screen right now. Um, 
uh, and you can find it at mystartupdojo.com slash tool. So if you are a young, aspiring entrepreneur or innovator, or you know any really young, innovative minds, please ask them to check this out because I promise it will be very valuable down the road. Again, that's mystartupdojo.com slash tool. And in fact, because I'm so passionate about helping other young people follow in Sashi's footsteps and other awesome Tamil innovators that we're spotlighting, um, I, I'm going to commit to getting a phone call, getting on a phone call with the first 25 people who fill out this scorecard to help ambitious Tamil students grow. So please do take advantage of this opportunity. I'm really, really excited to see what you guys come up with. So once again, um, I needed to thank all of the amazing people who helped to get this show on the road from Shiv at Tamil Culture to the wonderful leaders at Tamil Women Rising to the amazing Sashi Chandran herself for being a part of this conversation. Thank you again, Sashi, for being involved in the event. And um, if you enjoyed listening to Sashi's story, I know you will enjoy her tea even more. So be sure to check them out at myteadrop.com. They make I, they're gonna they'll make perfect gifts for the fast approaching holidays they will and you know what i'm gonna provide a discount code can i just do that i'll do that i'll make it on the spot because i didn't i should have done that beforehand um, yeah yeah go but, ahead but we'll make it tamil culture so just use tamil culture at checkout for 20 percent off so tamil culture at checkout I'll, I'll send it into the instagram chat okay great tamil culture all right um yeah so thank you thank you so much everyone uh thank you sashi i'm so excited to to see you know where you guys go and yeah this is just a great event so thank you so much sashi same same all right talk soon thank you